Welcome back, my dear listeners, to today's episode where I'll go back or I'll take you back to my journey and just find a roundup for the narrative of hope or like using my story to give you just hope out there that um, it's possible to be resilient and to show you this power of dreaming, this power in dreaming that big dream despite the situation you might be undergoing right now and just letting you you start to define your ending, not being defined by where you are as the starting point, but know that this start or you start does not define your ending. I'll take you back to my journey, like how it all became and just like we go through the journey of hope, journey of being resilient and journey of just not giving up on your dreams and dreaming big. Born into a family where poverty was our closet companion, the notion of education, especially for girls, was a distant dream. Being born of being born of a dad who held the belief that educating girls was unnecessary. My dad told me at the age of 13 that, you know what, you've passed your exams, you're supposed to go to high school but I'm not educating girls. I was the firstborn. I am the firstborn. And he never said um, or spent a cent on my education, never wanted to do that. This is a sentiment that really painted my early years with a layer of limitation right from the start. I knew my pursuit for education is not a be it's not gonna be accomplished. And I just knew that was it at the age of uh, 13 with my, yes, let me say primary education that I had. And um, I think I had some little beliefs still. Uh, There's something in me that told me, I don't know, being uh, seen, having seen my ways blocked down and my dad saying no, I... Even as a young girl, there was just some flames of ambition that really burned brightly within me. I knew it seems really dark and I don't know if it's going to be possible, but I had still some hope. And I thank God to my mom because it was like, uh, she was like, we're going to make it. I don't know how, but we trust in God. We're going to make ways. Um, Moving to Germany was a leap of faith for me then towards Hope, hoping for a better life, of course, a brighter future, and the education I yearned for. Yet, <laughs> what awaited me was not that open arms of opportunity, <laughs> as I thought. You know, you come back, uh, you come from Kenya, and you know, like, wow, when you get here, you just get opportunities will open to you. The jobs are there. So, like, how can it be hard to do that? And um, I just faced a harsh reality of rejection, like my applications being denied because I'm black, because I don't speak the perfect language, because name the examples and excuses they give or they gave me, but I face a really reality of rejection for over six years of my stay in Germany. I found myself in a relentless cycle of searching and struggling to pursue 
my education here in Germany, facing those slammed shut always after another. And every application being in I, I went to interviews just to be told that, um, yeah, your German is not perfect, just to be told, like, you're too black. We've never have experience with black people. You didn't place a picture on your CV, so we didn't expect you to be black because I had the name of my husband, so they didn't really know that a black person is behind their application. So that was really hard, I would say, the hard truth. But I think those are things that shape uh, the future. They make, of course, it's hard. And the other thing that shape who we become. It means this journey, life through another curveball, becoming a single mom, and you have listened to these in the past or previous broadcast that I had. And of course, the story of my son's diagnosis also on the previous episode. The challenges magnified. I was accepted um, and... And this is something that really opened my way of things because I got a chance to be accepted into this vocational college. And this was, for the first time, a ray of hope. Like me being pregnant then um, and being told, like, we're taking you in the project and you're in, it was like, wow, like, when I thought chances are really now close, I've been searching for opportunities for over six years. I wasn't pregnant. I was free to do jobs for full time. And this was a chance for me with a kid where I knew now doors will now close forever. Like, you know, you're not going to make it no matter what you do. When you have kids, how are you going to make it? And I was a single mom. How am I even going to make it? And doors opened. So I always say, whenever you have problems, the moment you think you can't make it anymore, just step a little further. Just take another step. Just move a little further. Just hope one more time. Just trust one more time. Because that's when the doors really, really open up and things touch to change. So this is for me, was for me that ray of hope that opened when this vocational college came my way. But it came, of course, with a cost. I was a single mom, as I said. Financially, it was a nightmare. I had my vocational college. I had that part-time college, so which means I was paid less than my full-time colleagues. And this money, I was having a child. I had my rents to pay. I had bills to deal with, uh, like not compared to my fellow colleagues who are 18, 19 years old, staying at their dad's uh, parents' home and stuff, not having, let me say, financial um, baggages with them. So it was really not easy and it was kind of a nightmare. My salary was even like a whisper of wind against my rent. My rent was more than, let me say, the salary. So I found myself, of course, partially depending on the social assistant. This is a whole story on its own. Let me tell you, it was not easy. Me being 26 years old, I was having a child. I didn't have my parents in Germany. The system don't allow me to, I didn't allow me to work like go to a college in part time. And nobody really understand the situation or understood the situation. So it was not 
easy. I remember them denying because they don't know, don't have experiences on anything, asking me where my parents are. I'm like, okay, they're in Kenya. I can't call them to help me. Okay, I can't stay at their home. So it was really, really not easy. And a reality, it is a reality that weighed heavily on my spirit. And it was a help, yes, but it wasn't easy at the same time. But here's the thing about hitting rock bottom, let me tell you. It gives you the solid ground to push off from. I was just like, I had... I think always there, there's nothing, nothing can bring me down, let me say. And reflecting on those years, I realized they were forging me, preparing me for a future I could hardly dare to dream of. So I used my experience, I used them all as a fundamental or foundation, or let me say, yeah, it's the basement of who I am today. Fast forward to today, years after my college graduation and further professional development, my reality has transformed in ways I once thought impossible. I have achieved a level of success and financial freedom beyond my wildest dreams. Enjoying flexibilities as a mother I never thought attainable. On top of this, I've realized a long-held dream running my own side business and a dream that once seemed like a star, let me say, too far to reach. And I'm living that today. So never give up on your dream. Never give up on that what you really, really want because it's just a step behind your comfort zone. It's just a step behind your current situation. Just make that one more step. Just hold on just a little bit stronger or just give yourself yourself just a little bit hope to hold on to the next step. And when you get there, you'll see the door opening. This journey has taught me or my journey myself, let me say I always, I'm a good reflector of my own journey. And it has taught me to be just um or just invaluable lessons uh, first is just like being or let me say never let your starting point defined uh define your end point Not most of the time we think we are a stage Oh, our situation is so hard and we're not going to make it because of the reasons i stay in german i know how hard the language is i know how hard it is to make ways as an immigrant, the way the denial is there, the way the rejection is there, the way sometimes you can feel unwanted. But let this situation or where you're starting don't define what you want to be. Hold on to that dream. Our beginnings, no matter how humble, are just that. They start. They're just a beginning. They do not dictate where we will end up to. They never dictate where we'll go. And this is something I just keep saying and will never stop saying. Hold on to that where you want to go. Hold on to that dream because you are now is not defining your future. What defines that is the step you're taking. Are you giving up now or are you giving yourself some hope to make the next step? 
Secondly, the importance of dreaming big. <laughs> Let your dreams scare you because if they don't or they do not scare you, they are not big enough. So let you think about that dream and you are afraid of reaching it because you think, oh my God, I'm scared of it. Let you tell somebody you dream and they're like, oh my God, you, you are you going crazy? But it is your dream. It comes from within. Believe in it. Fear in your dreams is not a sign of retreat. Fear is there because if it doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. So have the fear, face the fear, go with the fear, but go for your dream. This is just, uh, I take it as a call to action. Fear is always like, I have the fear, but okay, that's another, another information for me to know that, okay, it's important enough. That's why I, I am afraid. It's really good enough or it's something really that's going to move something. That's why I'm afraid. And for me, it's a call to action, a push towards growth. To anyone listening, feeling weighed down by the shakers of their circumstances, remember this, you have within you the power to change your narrative. It requires grit, yes, and a refusal to give up, yes, and even when the path is upcast by hurdles, Yes, I know it can be hard, but more than anything, it demands that you hold on to your dreams with a, a relentless grip, not less than that. So because your dreams are valid, your aspirations, no matter how lofty they might be, are attainable. It's a journey, undoubtable fraught with challenges, but oh, how rewarding it is. So keep pushing, keep dreaming. And remember, you can really make it if you want. And once again, your start does not define your ending. Thank you for tuning in to Living Beyond Limits. I hope my story or the roundup has ignited a spark within you to pursue your dreams, no matter how the odds might look. Until next time, keep living beyond limits and, of course, unlocking your true potential. Day-to-day, -day, life became a balancing act of medical appointments, therapy sessions, and adjusting our home life to support my son's needs, alongside my own personal and academic responsibilities. Ready to break free from limits? Then welcome, welcome, welcome to Living Beyond Limits, Unlocking Your True Potential. I am your host, Maureen, your coach and guide on this incredible journey. We are diving deep into the mindset that you need to reach your full potential and live your best life. And because our stories shape our world, I am excited to share my stories and wisdom with you throughout this podcast. Together, we uncover the tools and the techniques that you need to unleash your inner strength, conquer obstacles, and achieve your dreams. So, buckle up and hit that subscribe button and let's so beyond limits 
together. Welcome back, my dear listeners, to today's episode, which we will dive just deep into that very personal story of mine. I um, went on live uh, last week and I got questions on that and I tried to put all the questions together and just make a current a um episode on the questions that came and not just like a continuation of the episode but through this current episode we will deal with the continuation of how things were it's about me navigating uh, my son's diagnosis of leukemia that is blood cancer being a single mom at that time and pushing a vocational or pushing through a vocational college and just about how maybe these all teach or taught me to be resilient and how did um, I gain the hope, how did I find the strength. And of course, at this most um, challenging time, which it was in my life. Excuse me because of my voice. I'm a little bit cold or I had a flu the whole week. So my voice is kind of recovering, just like getting back to normal and i still have some scratches in but excuse me for that i decided to still um go on today for the episode and i have uh, divided the segments of the q and r into four segments and each segment tackles three questions so we'll go through each segment and see like the questions under the segment the first segment will be about the diagnosis itself the second segment is about navigating um the vocational college as a single mom the third segment is about like how did i hold it all together and the fourth segment is like how did i manage to still look forward um, despite um, the situation. So let's begin with the first segment and that the diagnosis. The first question was, can you take us back uh, to the moment you learned about your son diagnosis? How did you initially react? <laughs> This is a deep question. And I think I mentioned this at uh, the beginning uh, uh, on the last episode. And the moment uh, after we waited for all these hours and all tests were being done and nothing seemed to be like a light or the doctors knowing what is going on. The moment I saw these doctors coming inside the room and there were many of them as per my perspective of seeing them, I was, I felt like something is wrong. I just knew this is something serious and could be something serious. That was the feeling I felt um, at the initial. And um, when I get, I went now to the room with these doctors and they were started explaining and uh, going deeper into what it is and which stage is, how long it's going to take, uh, explaining the therapy I broke into tears. I just couldn't take it anymore. I just didn't know how to think, I would say. I didn't know even what to think. I didn't 
consume anything anymore than what they were explaining. So as I mentioned before earlier on the last episode, they had to pause um, the meeting we had or the explanation um, and it was a Friday. So they had to postpone it to Monday so that we can continue because I had to sign the papers. I had to agree. I They needed me to be let me say, full conscious in the moment to be able to continue or to do any procedures. So they stopped that. And what I would say, I was, I felt like a wild wind of emotions. I, I had all emotions. I would say fear, confusion, determination, everything. It was just in and it was just this moment that I knew, I don't know, afterwards I was like, wow, this is a moment that I know it's going to change everything. I don't know what is going to change, but there's something that's not going to be the same again. And for real, this is the moment that really reshaped my life and that of my son. That's what I would say today. And we changed how we we see things, how you see life. And he was just three, but he does see life differently um, since that moment. Question number two, how did the diagnosis change your day-to-day life and your plans for the future? (laughs) Totally changed everything. My confusion became to worry because I was, like I said, uh, in a vocational college and they were telling me the therapy is going to take five years without knowing any results, without knowing if my son will be alive without knowing if it's going to even happen or he's going to adapt to the therapy. It's not a matter, they, 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 it's not a matter like they give you the therapy and your body accepts it. That's another thing. But you can also, or the body could also have rejected the therapy and that could be another story. So this definitely changed my day-to-day life. It was like from me knowing I was in my house, I was going to school, take my son to the babysitter, go to school or go to work and come home, prepare. That was something else. We were told all the precautions we should not do. We were not to see people. Um, only three people were allowed to be seen. Um, my son was not supposed to see any children. Like if we had a sister or a brother, it could have been forbidden for him to see his or her sister. You can imagine that. So he was not supposed to see any kid, anybody with infections, forbidden. Uh, okay, these three names, I had to name the people who can be always there. And these people are the only people he's going to be in contact with for the whole therapy. So it was like total isolation from the rest of the world. No playing ground, no using um, buses or trains uh, that are open. Okay, buses and trains, everybody's inside there. No going to places where many people are there, like no going to a party. Or just like, I see, yeah, like a playing girl. So everything was practically forbidden. That was just like the 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 the, the other side. Food, we, we were supposed to eat different food. The house was supposed to be disinfected before we get in. I had to help people clean the house before I get in with him. We had to move because our initial um, apartment where we staying was um, with a carpet or like it was like 
a fixed carpet. It was not like a carpet to be to to be moved. Uh, it was a fixed carpet, so we had to move to another place because the 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 person owning the uh, the apartment didn't or wasn't ready to repair or remove the uh, carpet. We have forced to move because those were things that could have affected him when his immune system was low. So practically, my day-to-day life was totally changed. I had to find balancing um, the medical appointments which we had in the at the at the ward, going here, going there, each and every departments. The lungs should be checked, the heart should be checked, the brains are checked, and sitting for the for the chemo to be given and uh, therapy sessions where I had to watch over him so that uh, any reactions were supposed to be recorded, and of course adjusting to life. I had a life also in my house. I had to see how to continue paying the rent, how my school will continue, how the insurance will work, adjusting with all personal uh, responsibilities, academic responsibilities. It was just like a totally different thing. And if I had no people who helped me, and I thank God those people who were called to help me that time were there. I'm thankful to my sister. She was there with me. My best friends, uh, two of them were there with me. And um, the sisters, the doctors at the ward, these were my background. They were there taking care of my son when I could go to schools. And um, because I had to decide if I have to drop my schooling or pause it for a year. That was the maximum allowed time to pause. And because the therapy was to go for over five years, knowing, not knowing, we didn't know if uh, he will get better, what will happen. Nobody promised anything. The doctors didn't say nothing. So it was like upon me to decide. So I was put into, yeah, choosing either you drop it Oh, the only option we give you to pause for one year and you have to continue after one year. If you don't continue, it will just be cancelled or you continue now. So I decided to continue and I'm really thankful that my work, my company, let me say fixed everything that I could get my finances paid while I didn't go to work. And because school was a must, because I had to go to school, whether it's uh, whatever it is, and I had to have like a maximum of how many sick leaves or stuff, but school was a must and I had the permission from my company to um, not to go to work and be paid for that. So that was something I'm thankful for. So this was something big, <laughs> responsibilities, uh, balancing everything. These I even don't know how I made it. Let me say I don't know how I made it to balance all these things together. Question number three: What were some of the resources or support systems you found helpful during this time? Like I mentioned before, my sister was there. She is my back. I don't know. She just hold my back that time. Without her. I don't know. She happened to live near the clinic. This is just like God send. She used to live like in Hamburg. I stay in Germany. And 
couple of years previously, she had found the husband, moved to a place, and was actually staying near the hospital. And imagine what? After all that, she moved. They moved from, from that place. Now they're staying somewhere else. So it's like she was just sent, as I reflect, for her to help me. She was there. She was the one who could stay with my son when I could go home and just have a rest or just go for a walk um, or do something private or just go and listen or see somebody visit friends, whatever it is, you'll just go home and relax. So she was really that person who hold everything. I had a best friend who did also everything for me. She could cook. <laughs> and another one also, she did everything. They, they could wash my house before I come and prepare everything. So these were just like God sent people who were there for me. Not every friend stayed, um, stayed. And I would say this is a phase of my life that taught me who is really a friend and who is not and how to deal with people um yeah differently it taught me how to see people and what to see in people and i i knew how to treasure who is there for you when you're really in need of them and i had few friends who were there for me i'm thankful for that my family my sister was there for me and that's really something I'm really thankful for the organization. Like my company was that financial holdback that gave me. There's a lady there. I have a book written on these old stories. So there's a lady there. She was the social worker of the company or is the social worker of the company. She was my angel sent somebody, let me say, who didn't know me. We're not related. She was my not my family member, but I think this lady was just sent to be there to cater for everything. So my financial background was just catered by him. She, by her, I mean, she kept, make, made sure I got my, uh, my, my, I mean, my salary being paid though i'm not going to work she made sure i got a house like the apartment we changed she helped me get that she helped me refurnish my house because we had um uh let me say a clothing couch and we need something different so she got me some leather couch she helped me furnish by bed for my son furnish my house and like Everything, this lady is just amazing. And I thank God for her being in my life and still in my life, for instance. Oh, there were so many things I learned from this support system and having some people who might be sent just for that time to be there for you. The sisters in the clinic on the ward, they were there. They they could stay with my son when I go to the schools. They were like, you leave her, him, we take care. Apart from, okay, they, there the were days where, where when he was supposed to get a full chemotherapy, like 24 hours round. So then I, I was supposed to be there. And of course, I could excuse myself from school for some days. And that really worked. And normal days where during the day he needed no chemo, they organized everything that he got chemo after my schools, that everything was just like fixed with my plan for me to go through it better. And I'm, I'm really thankful. The doctors, everybody was like just there in support 
of me. That's what I felt. And these people, I would say they were just called to be there or for, be there for us during that time. And of course, this made me realize how we um how important is the interconnectedness with other people we need people and sometimes when we have problems we think we we have to go through them alone but i think we are never alone and if we just open our hearts to connect to people who are willing to help us these opens doors and things can really just be easier uh, let me say easier to handle Question number three, navigating vocational college. Um, no, this is now the second uh, segment, and it's about navigation um, college as a single mom. This is question number one. How did you manage your responsibilities as a single mom while attending a vocational college? Ooh, this was initially hard because I didn't know I'll get to college while being a mom. Thank God it was a part-time college. So this gave me the time to know, okay, I could take my son to the babysitter before he got sick and have the time to go to school or work. And due to the part-time, I also I had the afternoon to pick my son. I could prepare the stuff and just go home. It was okay because it wasn't a full-time college. So that gave me some time, one for me, to be there for my son. And of course, it was challenging parenting, managing my son's needs. Um, I relied heavily and on a strict schedule. I had to strict myself on planned things, not just things popping up. No, I had plans of things to do and not to do, prioritizing my tasks and learning to ask for help when needed. This is something I had to learn that like no one's business. I had to learn to ask for help before my son's diagnosis and also afterwards when things got like more worse, me being a single mom and also um, working or wanting to still continue with my studies. Learn to ask for help when you need it. So important. Don't ignore people who want to help you. Go give them your hand. Let them hold you. Let you let them show you the way. Question number two on this segment. Were there any moments when you felt overwhelmed? How did you overcome these feelings? I always felt overwhelmed, let me say. It was just... First of all, just shocking. This part of my journey was something that just changed me and all that I believed in and my perspective completely. It changed everything. And of course, the change was overwhelming. And the strength I needed was so big that I didn't even know I could manage it. I remember people telling me, like asking me nowadays or on a reflection on that, like, how did you manage it? I always say, I don't know. I got some strength somewhere that I can't say even where. And it worked. So the journey was really, really 
itself by itself from beginning overwhelming so and that really changed my perspective of seeing anything so i found strength not knowing where in focusing on one day at a time i was thankful for each day not not even a day <laughs> an hour i was given with my son i was thankful if the chemotherapy could work well because sometimes he reacted worse sometimes he had pain sometimes he cried sometimes he couldn't eat sometimes he he lost it all and he was aggressive and stuff so i had this feeling of appreciating every moment just at time just at his car i was really happy to see him laugh that was a moment i appreciated i i learned to celebrate all small victories he had or we had when we had uh one chapter done or this therapy is finished and we're going to the next one so i learned really to focus on that day to day and this is i have today i i appreciate i live in the moment because I, you don't know what will happen tomorrow nobody promises nothing so this is something since then i really have it within me and uh, celebrating those small things you gain we don't see them sometimes but if we focus a little bit deeper we will see those small things we have in life to celebrate and i learned that i imagine us standing on the window we had some 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 times when um he was so infectious or let me say the immune system was so low that even a wind breeze could make him sick <laughs> so we were not supposed to leave the room the room i was supposed to wear a mask wear my apron the occipital aprons clean my hands wear my gloves and stuff like fully masked inside the room not even leaving the room to the station or the ward station so i remember us just standing at the window got uh, thank god we had a really wide window open of course it wasn't um some you couldn't open it but it was really bright enough and we found fun in county's car because behind the window there was the the parking spot for the for the for the workers of the clinic so there they always came and parked their cars and the visitors also came parked their cars so we found fun in counting cars <laughs> i even laugh when we remember it to, together we always laugh about it but it was fun and counting the colors and who saw the car at first and how many cars parked there today and how many parked there yesterday and just try to guess if tomorrow there will be many cars so these phrases really made me and also my son to just enjoy the moment and celebrate those small things you might see as nothing but they are important for somebody else and they are big big moments in those small situations you are in sometimes and of course reminding myself to see the big picture i had a big picture of us just being okay so i was like be in the moment now for that big picture i'm going to finish in my school my son is going to be healed 
and we shall leave the hospital everything is perfect and we live our normal life so these were just leave the moment now for that big picture that is coming in the future the last question on this second segment was like can you share any strategies or tips that helped you balance school work and motherhood just be there in the moment i was there for my son not before even him being sick i knew i had to concentrate a lot i knew when i'm home and he's from the kindergarten we well he was like from there from the babysitter at earlier stages we had no more time um or i had no more time to to learn because he was there i had to uh to take care of him what helped me is like um i said earlier to the babysitter because i started my school when he was one and a half and going to the babysitter and not the kindergarten and i told my babysitter not to place him to sleep for uh during the day so that he could sleep earlier in the evening so that the nights are not like prolonged and let me say not that he doesn't just go to bed at 10 or 11 o'clock but make it a little bit earlier so this really worked for me um that all because he was an active child he loved jumping up and down and did everything to jump and really active which he felt then earlier asleep and i remember between 7 and 8 he was already in bed so these helped me again to enjoy the time with him from the uh from the babysitter and also to have time for me to go yeah to do my school work after 8 i knew i'll be free he's sleeping and i can do my work at school and of course balancing school and motherhood required discipline i had to be disciplined i had to be flexible when he wakes up in the middle of the night or when i'm learning for for my exam tomorrow i had to be flexible enough to just be there for him and not just hold that fixed mind i have to learn and um also utilizing school resources and um i had people who who i could talk to like counsel i had this lady at work who told me you have to do this 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 and of course finding support and i had the project as i said i think in the earlier earlier episode i got these um vocational college because of a project that had started in my area so i had people who i could always talk to and they could always advise me on what or what not to do so these are that support system that were just behind me and um i had a babysitter and i had somebody to take care of my baby i knew during the day he's just like taken care of and of course this made me be at peace knowing he's taken care of and me coming home i knew he would sleep earlier and i have the night for me to do the school work so we coming to segment 3 holding it all together question number 1 what are or were some of the biggest challenges you faced during this period and how did you address them <laughs> Actually the biggest challenge was first of all the emotional shock I had um the emotional weight I had um and accepting that weight and dealing with it was really big the second biggest um challenge was 
how to manage my time. How would I manage to go to school, be there actually for my son and also be at my house because uh, there was also some room somewhere which was not being used because we stayed at the hospital. And um, facing the pressures, let me say financial pressures, it was really hard. First of all, me getting this vocational college at the age of 26, being a mom and having it in part-time was really something that I think in the German law, they didn't know about it because I don't know, it was something new, nobody knew. And because I had less, my first year was with 400 euros per month. Second year was up to 600 and third year was like 800 euros. And these was not even enough to pay my rent. My rent was above like almost six to 700 euros. So I had, of course, to go to some help and um to the to the government to to see how they could support me being at the college and it was hard that was something hard so it was for me that bigger uh, the bigger challenge how to manage my financial pressures and all these increased of course when my child got sick and we had all other responsibilities i had to get somebody to clean the house i had to buy other foods i had to pay for the taxis because we couldn't uh, go with bus and trains and stuff i didn't have a car then so i had to pay for the taxis and it was just like a financial pressure that was added on top of that and dealing with of course these emotional weights of the of the diagnosis and knowing my son could make it or not make it it wasn't promised I had to find strength in focusing in him being healthy. I had to find strength in knowing he will be okay and he is okay. And this is something that I had to learn. It was hard, but I had to just switch my mind knowing I'm doing this today and he is okay. And of course, focus on everything going on well and happiness coming all along the way, being happy today, enjoying each moment and know all these are going to pass and we're going to be somewhere celebrating everything together. So question number three, no, number two on this segment, how did you experience um, shape? How, no, how did these experience shape your approach to problems? <laughs> Solving and resilience. Hell yeah. Um, big deal. This was just an experience that taught me the power of resilience and adaptivity. Like, it's it. That's me. Um, <laughs> I had to learn to adapt to the situation. I had to learn to be resilient, not to fall down, not to cry before my son, not to sink in, uh, not doing anything. And of course, to see how I can face the problems head on with a positive mindset, having the hope that these times will pass and of course 
having the hope that this time is just a phrase in my life that is making things better for the future. I had to find some reason. I, I, of course, I had the questions. I had the whys. But I, I then accepted this as I think I'm just any other person in the world and everybody could have problems and it's okay that I have them. And tried to see the opportunities, what this situation brought in me, changed in me, and try to see indirectly or just change the perspective and see the opportunities of growth that could be found in it. That's something that really, really, that's all that the experience brought to me, I would say. Number three, looking back, what advice would you give to someone in a similar situation? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Don't give up on you and on whatever could happen that is positive. Um, I'd say just don't be afraid to seek support. After holding on, don't be afraid to seek support. Cherish the good moments you have. Each moment is good. Cherish it. And never lose sight on your goals. If you feel you want to do it, go ahead. Things will open up. Things will unfold for you to just go for them. No matter how distant they may seem it might seem long i had like five years in my head i was like oh my god this is too too long it's never gonna end it's been over 10 years now and the five years passed and everything is okay and i'm thankful for that so if you feel or have a feeling that you have to do something go for it don't be stopped because of the situation or the circumstances and seek support. And of course, don't give up on yourself <laughs> because that's actually the first step. Don't give up on yourself because if you give up, then you've lost everything. So let's come to the last segment, looking forward. First question on that. How has your journey influenced your son's perspective on challenges and resilience. Wow, he is the most beautiful boy I ever seen. I always say if it wasn't for my son being so strong during this time, I couldn't have been no, not strong enough. He was that boy who was just like, laughing, smiling, unless sometimes because of the chemo, he couldn't smile and sometimes he didn't eat and he was sometimes aggressive, but he was actually the light. He was the strength. He was like, he is the one who gave me the strength that I had, let me say. And um, this journey just taught him and this is what he is today. And I'm thankful for who he is becoming. He's just 14. Um, just to see the value of perseverance and hope. He knows what it is to struggle. He always a positive guy and knows to be positive. He learned to face challenges with courage and positivity. He's just that positive young man I know. Question number two. 
in what ways has this experience contributed to your personal and professional growth? Actually, this experience was for me the beginning of everything. After saying this over six years, searching for jobs, didn't find anything, got one. The second year, my son being sick, it was, of course, that transformative journey for me. It deepened my empathy, shaped my focus, and inspired my work as a coach. That's all I could say because that's when I knew how important it is to help others unlock their full potentials despite all the odds that might come their ways. And this is because of the journey and the experience I went through. I will say who I am today was really defined mostly at that moment when I had thought I lost everything. Question number three on the last segment. Can you share how this journey has shaped your mission and approach as a transformation-driven life and purpose coach. This is me. I think my coaching is based on this experience. And that's where I have the foundation of my coaching. And um, it has actually cemented my belief. This, <laughs> And in that powerful um way that I know like um, there is power in transformation and purpose. If you will, you are willing to transform yourself, you'll find a way. If you having the purpose in your life, you'll find a way. It is that heart of my coaching philosophy. That's it. That's, it's like we will always find a way when you're ready to transform, when you give yourself in, you open enough to do anything, you will find a way. And um, empowering others to embrace their challenges and pathways to growth and fulfillment, that's what I love. <laughs> what better can I choose? And I love it, I live it, and that's who I am. And cemented definitely with these experience I had. So we're coming to the conclusion of my Q&A episode today. Thank you deeply for sharing this time with me today, for sharing your time and listening to me today. It's my sincerest hope that our journey together through today's episode has not only illuminated the path of resilience, but also kindled a flame of hope in your heart. Each challenge, each moment of doubt, and every small victory is a step towards not just surviving, but thriving beyond the limits we often set for ourselves. As we draw this conversation to a close, I invite you not just as a listener, but as a fellow traveler on this journey of transformation and growth to reflect on the power within us to reshape our destinies. Living beyond limits isn't just a phrase. It's a statement to our collective resilience and unwavering spirit to raise above. If today's episode had touched a chord within you, 
<laughs> if it has sparkled a thought or a memory or a question, I encourage you to share that with me. Your stories, your struggles, and your triumphs are the very essence of what makes this journey so incredibly profound. Please reach out through my website or connect with me on social media available in the show notes below. Your voice is a vital thread in a fabric of our shared narrative. Together, let's build a community of courage, empathy, and unwavering support. Let's continue to inspire one another to learn from each other and to grow together. The journey towards unlocking our true potential is not one we have to embark on alone. Your story is a beacon for others, just as theirs can be for you. So until next time, keep pushing boundaries, keep reaching for the stars, and remember, no limit is too high when we dare to live beyond them. Stay tuned for more episodes where we'll explore the depth of our potential and discover the infinite possibility that awaits. Thank you for the bot- uh, from the bottom of my heart for joining me on this journey. Let's embrace the challenges ahead, find strength in our stories, and continue to unlock the boundless potentials that lies within each of us. Thank you. And I wish you peace within, peace beyond understanding, peace Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you found it informative, inspiring, helpful, and empowering. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to share these with me. You can find me on the listed social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn on the show notes below. Remember, you have the power to shape your reality and the ability to achieve great things. So go out there and make your dreams a reality. And never forget, it's never too late to start pursuing your dreams. So take what you've learned today, apply it in life and keep pursuing or pushing beyond limits. Join me again next week for another episode and until then keep striving for your full potential and pursuing your dreams if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe rate and leave a review and as always keep living beyond limits